Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. Oh my goodness, some of us are just so thankful it's Friday. Um, anyway, we've got a very important show today. We are going to try to get back to the basics of Christian maturity, the foundations for our growth in Christ, and we'll talk about being set apart from this world, not conforming to the world, with a special guest, uh, Pastor's Perspective today, and a brand new book I'm going to tell you about in a minute. Father in heaven, thank you so much for another day, and uh, we know that you are sovereign and in control of all things, and we just ask, Lord, that you would help us, first of all, help us trust you in any and every circumstance going on in our personal lives, in our communities, in our country, and even around the world, Lord, as we try to see the world through the lens of the Bible. Please help us cultivate that eternal perspective. For some of us that spend too much time on social media or in the news or what's happening around us, bring us back gently, Lord, to the word of truth and to the hope that we have in Christ that can never be taken away from us. And we thank you, Lord, that there are foundations that we can go back to when we are experiencing crazy times in this world as we are in America uh, today. Um, So we lift this up to you, Lord, this hour. We pray that people would be encouraged that they would be edified, that they would be challenged and reminded of the Christian perspective and to go back to the truth and, of course, to love our neighbors. Lord, help us do that and give us wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today's guest, we're so glad to have Pastor Gary Gilley back with us. Um, He's been pastoring at Southern View Chapel in Springfield, Illinois, since 1975. He's the author of seven books. He's also contributed to five other books. He speaks at Bible conferences. He also writes and reviews books at Think on These Things Ministries, which examines important contemporary theological issues and trends. He's got a brand new book out, and that's why I wanted to get him on the program today, Growing in Christ, Laying the Foundations of Christian Maturity. Pastor Gary, thank you so much for coming back on Stand Up for the Truth. Hey, it's great to be with you again, David. Thank you for your time. Before we get into your book, there's a couple questions um, before we dive in. First of all, what's happening around us in uh, our cities, our states, and the country. Um, The rioting that they're really a result of the uh, murder of a cop or a killing of a cop, a police officer in Minnesota. Um, A lot of people are struggling with this because they're hearing so many in the media justify the violence, not the peaceful protests. I don't think I don't think many people have a problem with peaceful protesting at all, but even Christians are kind of being swayed to the liberal media narrative to justify the defacing or the destruction of private or public property. And I just wanted to get your impression and your thoughts, uh, pastor's perspective on a Christian response to what's happening around us. Yeah, I'd like to address that. I think, uh, you know, we're, well, we're, we're in a situation now where people are 
listening to the media and the politicians and so forth, and and they're following uh, a narrative that um, has left us in a in a bind because there's no right now there's very little rational conversation going on. Nobody is really allowed to to say something different than what anybody else is saying. Nobody's allowed to talk about it. Hmm. And if they if they do, if they don't follow the script, then uh, they're shouted down or even sometimes lose their jobs or whatever. It's it's a really difficult time. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of the blacks are buying into a racist racist narrative. Some of the whites are too. Uh, other whites on the other side uh, are saying we're not racist and we're, we resent being called that. We have tried so much to change our world in the last 50 years mm-hmm. in that regard. And so they're very much offended by that. And then what we basically are seeing right now is anarchy and an attempt to force society to change. Uh, and there's no there's no looking at the facts. There's no uh, uh, nobody is wanting to talk about the progress that's been made and things that have gone forward. Uh, this is basically uh, the book of Judges being revisited. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. It happened to Israel for 400 years, and it's happening to America right now. And it's it's a very difficult time for us, obviously. Um, part of the thing is, as fear dominates, and as people are afraid to step up and say anything, we, we're just highly divided. And uh, I, I think what we have to do as Christians, and we're talking now to believers, is to step back for a moment and to take a look at the biblical response. Should we be responding any differently than the world around us? Mm. And I, I'd like to think we should, uh, because we have a... The, the biblical mandates of Scripture to guide us. Uh, but I'm not seeing a lot of that, actually. Right now, I find uh, a lot of people are simply following uh, the, the, the narrative that's around us mm-hmm. uh, on one side or the other and vilifying one another. There's friendships being broken over this. There's churches will be divided over this. Uh, and uh, I just don't find many people listening to one another. And so I, as a pastor, this is a very problematic time in our history. Hmm. Uh, I just uh, mentioned to you, Dave, just before we went on air, that uh, I'm in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, in I think it was 1908, there was a race riot here. Uh, I think it goes back to a lynching of a black person, and uh, it, it, out of that came the NCAAP. So Springfield has been uh, a part of this uh, issue for over a century. Wow. Although right now we're not having uh, major problems, we are in Springfield, we're having peaceful demonstrations. Like you said, I'm all for that. That's fine. Uh, but so far, we haven't had much in the way of riots, and I thank the Lord for that. But the question is, what is our biblical response? Right? Yes, yes. So what should that be? How, how should we differ from the world? I, I think, first of all, I think we have to go back to what Scripture says, and Scripture says that we are all, whatever color we might be, we are all made in the image of God. And the issue is not uh, black and white or different colors, even though that comes up at times like this. The issue is how does how how are we to treat one another who are made in the image of God? And the Scripture speaks uh, regularly about God's desire for justice and respect and love for one another, and uh, that's not an uncommon thing at all. But it's justice for all, not just for a particular group. So I think we have to start with with uh, Genesis 1 and 2, we're made in the image of God. And that then that follows immediately over the primary issue that we have in Genesis 3, we're fallen. So we are human beings who uh, sin, uh, the best of us sin, 
maybe not as outwardly as some others, but we definitely do in our hearts and we sin. We're sinful people. We're fallen people. So it shouldn't surprise us that uh, that on occasion, and maybe far too often, horrible things happen in our world and in mm-hmm. our country. And uh, so one of the problems I think we have to adjust to and think about right now with whatever comes out of all these demonstrations and whatever, that there's never going to be enough laws, enough rules, enough police, enough whatever, to uh, change the heart of man. Hmm. Uh, people's hearts don't change, uh, except through the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ and regeneration. And so this will happen again. And this mm-hmm. is something that really is shocking to us, I think. Uh, something like this will happen again. And what what is going to be the response of our country and of our Christian community when it happens again? And I hope we will earn something through this. But, yes. But whether we do or not, uh, time will tell. But but because of the human nature, we are going to face this. Yes. And so racism, I think, is part of our fallenness. It's one of the sins we have. It's wrong. It's sin. We need to face it. Um, it, it wasn't unusual. It wasn't uncommon for this to be addressed in Scripture. I, I just have been teaching in, in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. It talks there about the church coming together with Jew and Gentiles. Mm-hmm. The Jews hated Gentiles. And Gentiles hated the Jews. Interesting. And yet Christ brought them together in one body, one household, one temple. And uh, how were they to behave? And how were they to treat one another and love one another in one body? He didn't call for two churches. He called for one body. So this is not a new problem for, for God or Scripture or for the Christian community. And we can turn back to God's Word and, and uh, see what God has to say about that. So racism is a sin that has to be addressed by all of us uh, in the same way we deal with other sins, confession and repentance and change, as we, as we understand it in Scripture. So that's, that's uh, we, we need to face it. I do think we, I think at this point, we need to walk humbly with one another and realize that I, as a white person, have never uh, lived in a black community in the inner city. Mm-hmm. And, and I need to, to hear from my brothers and sisters in Christ especially, who are who have lived this way, and what is it that perhaps I'm missing? I don't I, I don't see myself as racist, but according to the woke uh, generation, if you say you're not racist, you are. Yes. <laughs> so so there's no winning. Is that right? Right. So so what are you going to do with with that? But the the point is, uh, I I need to realize I do have blind spots, and the mm. black community has blind spots as well. We all do. We yes. need to we need to humbly. <laughs> talk to one another in, in rational, godly ways to see how we go forward and help one another at this difficult time. But I, I'm deeply concerned that we're not doing much of that right now. Mm, thank you, Pastor Gary. Yeah. Um, we are going to get to your book, um, and it's, it's fascinating. I love the point you brought up about how it was in that time, in Bible days, New Testament days, the difference in Jews and Gentiles, they were enemies. And here, now, in Christ, it says, Paul writes in Galatians 3, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, neither male or female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. So that's what we can unify around, the the, the being born of God in Christ and our faith in Christ. That's As believers, we have that in common. And also the point that you made uh, being Springfield, the capital of Illinois, I've, I'm looking at a picture here of um, Martin Luther King Jr. 
um, who was speaking out at the Washington, uh, uh, the Lincoln Memorial, Washington Mall there to a massive crowd of peaceful uh, people. They're just listening to his speech. And the other day, um, before they actually called troops or whoever to guard the Lincoln Memorial, it was defaced. There was black paint thrown on the steps, the very steps, ironically, that Martin Luther King stood on to give a peaceful speech. And, of course, Abraham Lincoln, Springfield, Illinois, you know, he was the the president for during that time of the Civil War, the bloody Civil War. We fought. We divide, The country was divided over this. And, Pastor Gary, I'm not sure the country is still divided over the issue, but, boy, it just seems like the media and some politicians, particularly on the left, want to try to drive a wedge of division. How do we respond to what I interpret as a fake narrative that really wants to promote division? Yeah, we're, the media and uh, you know, 24-7 news and, the, uh, and social media has, has just taken over. And uh, everybody has a voice, and people are saying all sorts of crazy things that, uh, that drive each other nuts on both sides. And it's it's a uh, I don't know uh, I don't know why people want to do what they're doing. Uh, I I listen to the different different television news stories and have from the different perspectives and and uh, people are just not being honest here. They're they're they seem like they're fanning the flames as mm-hmm. much as possible. And I don't get that. I don't either. I don't know why you'd want to do that because this is tearing the country apart right now and it hurts everybody. Uh, you, you have to feel bad for. For those uh, called in the middle here, people, especially the the black community, that most of those people just want to make a living and, and do right, right and live right, and many of them are Christians, and and they are they are called in the middle here in something that their lives are being destroyed, their businesses are being destroyed, mm-hmm. their families are being destroyed, and my heart hurts for for them uh, in particular, but but also for all of America. I think we have to go back, though, if I could take a few more minutes. This sure. will lead into my book later, so I think I don't think we're off script too much here. But I think as Christians, we have to go back now and take our cue from the Scriptures and not from our media and our society. Amen. And to do that, I think we have to uh, we have to do a little bit of a history lesson and, and, and look at where we are right now in our world. And, and what is surfacing now has been stuffed down by most of us, and, and we've tried to hide from it for several decades now, and it's bubbling up, and uh, it really shouldn't surprise us. And by that I mean, as, as I go back and look at the 1960s, which I grew up in, uh, in the 1960s, I, we saw a, a, a world, our society, a culture in America, the Western world, but in America, moving away from a biblical worldview. And that was being done uh, progressively and to a large extent intentionally. Uh, the Word of God and God Himself was uh, being pushed aside, mm-hmm. and we were following the ideologies of, of people of the secular world. So that began, uh, of course, it, the roots always go back deeper, but the 60s really brought it to a head with the with this sexual revolution and so forth. Since that time, we've seen this moral deterioration. We've seen the sexual revolutions. We've seen our homes disintegrating. We've seen the trans, transgender and the abortion and, and these type of issues that wouldn't even have been considered in the 1950s as, mm-hmm. as feasible that have now become the norm in America. We're morally degenerate. Uh, we're morally uh, uh, just 
way down, and then our families are disintegrating. Fatherlessness, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the black community has no fathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've read 80% of the fa- black families have no fathers in the home. Wow. And the white community is catching up in a hurry. And so our family, which has been the bedrock of all good societies and all biblical societies, is, is gone, pretty much. It's going. And that's become the norm. And and, and on top of that, we're largely biblically illiterate. Hmm. We, we've had a church culture in the last five, six, seven decades that really says Scripture and the understanding of theology is not important. What's important is having a good time and, and entertainment and music and fun and and uh, social justice and all these things, but Scripture is kind of marginal. So we don't have a Christian community that even knows how to go back and understand mm-hmm. Scripture to, uh, to, uh, to, to understand these things, and on top of that, uh, they they don't even see the need to do so. So what? So we're really seeing these things bubble up at this time. So we go back, and uh, if we start with a little bit of a biblical background, uh, let's start with what Jesus did, and he certainly didn't come to change society. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came to regenerate hearts, you know, to be, bring people to the, the truth. He, he said very clearly, blessed are the peacemakers. He, he said very clearly that, that that he is the light, and we are the light of the, and the salt of the world. Uh, he didn't try to change society directly. He changed lives by uh, the world. Really, Christianity did change the world, but it changed it by changing the hearts of people. And then we come to things like, for example, the book of Ephesians, when it gets into the, the practical section. Let's just, let's just go back and think about that as Christians. Uh, as it gets into the practical section, starting with chapter 4, uh, it, it tells us in verse 1 to walk in a worthy manner. Uh, as Christ has saved us. In verse 17, it says, walk in understanding and not in ignorance. In chapter 5, verse 2, it says, walk in love. Mm. In chapter 5, verse 15, it says, walk in wisdom and be filled with the Holy Spirit who controls us. What? I mean, there's a biblical response, not the response we're seeing now. Right. And then and then we go back that our calling then as Christians, what, what is our true calling? Well, it's not really to change society. Our calling is to uh, bring people to the light of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, but Jesus warned us that men love darkness rather than light, and so we're going to be resisted in that regard. But that doesn't stop our mandate. Our mandate is to tell people that Jesus Christ has brought light to the world, and he is the light. So I think as we look at this right now, our, our response has to be there's something bigger than the American dream, that we have loved what we've had in America, and I want it. And mm-hmm. I, I'm heartbroken over what we're losing right now, may lose in the future. But uh, there's something bigger than that, and that is to bring people out of darkness and, uh, and to show people their, their bankruptcy. I'm hoping I, that the Lord is sovereign, and I am hoping that in, in this pandemic we've gone through, coupled now with this social unrest, I'm hoping that somehow more and more people will see their spiritual bankruptcy and their need for Christ, and that the Lord is, is working to, to, draw, to show people how very lost they are in their own ideologies that never lead to, to the life they think they want. And so our job then, I, as I go back, is I, I've always thought this in my ministry, that our main job, as Philippians 2.15 is, says, is to draw people out of a crooked and perverted generation, mm. to show them the light of the truth. Wow. And this world is going to be crooked and, and perverted until the Lord returns. We hope to calm things down. We hope to, to give the, the world, a, 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 in our country, a good place to live 
and we like those liberties and those blessings that have been ours for so long, and I hope we will have those going forward for all people, black, white, all, co- all colors. But the bigger picture, and I, don't, I think we, we have to be careful we don't lose sight of this, the bigger picture is that people need Jesus Christ. They don't just need liberty and the American dream. They need Jesus Christ, and that we may have a, one of the greatest opportunities in our generation to draw people to the light of truth if we'll focus on that rather than on other things. But we have to love each other and be humble and and wise and kind, even in the midst of an ugly, ugly situation. And I'm hoping the Lord is going to open up some eyes, even among Christian people. So I think the Christian community, in many ways, are, are responding to what's happening right now in the same way the world is, mm. and not a biblical way. Yes, And that, that deeply grieves me, having spent my whole life trying to proclaim the way of Christ. Uh, and many, many other pastors and leaders have done the same thing. You guys have done this with the radio programs and so forth. And yet we see the unraveling of our country because people do not want to listen to the, the biblical script. Uh, they do not want to follow Christ. They want to follow other things. And this is where we are as a result. So Christians need to, to wake up to something else. Mm-hmm. I believe, and, yes. and say, look, it's time to get back to what the Word of God says on how to react to these things. Pastor Gary Gilly, you just laid out the amazing argument for the reason you wrote your new book, Growing yeah. in Christ, Laying the Foundations for Christian Maturity. When we come back, we're going to dive into the book with Pastor Gary Gilly. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. The brand new book is called Growing in Christ, Laying the Foundations of Christian Maturity. And if, if you missed any of that, what Pastor Gary just shared in the first segment, if you're just tuning in, make sure to get this podcast later and understand some of the arguments he laid out very clearly for the need for us to get back to the basics, that Christian, biblical Christian worldview and contextual um, you know, handling of the Scriptures accurately. Um, Pastor Gary, what, before we dive into your book, um, one more question. I've just seen some people, probably on the Christian left, use this as an argument to justify rioting and even violence. And they say, Jesus turned over the tables in the temple of the money changers— and uh, I just look at that and say, are you kidding me? He said, yeah. you know, you have made my father's house a, a market and uh, it should be a place of prayer. I would love for you to, if you can just condense a response to that ridiculous yeah. argument justifying violence as far as the riots that are going on in America today. Well, once again, when Jesus came, he came as a prince of peace. That was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. Uh, he, he, he didn't come, as a matter of fact, the angels proclaimed the same thing. He didn't come to, uh, to cause social unrest and, and so forth. He came to bring people to Christ, to himself, to the Father. Reconciliation is the, uh, is the purpose of Jesus coming, re- bringing peace between God mm-hmm. and man. Uh, the problem at the temple, uh, in, in context, was that these religious leaders and so forth had had desecrated the temple, really, the place where people were to, to come to God, to hear, to know, to know God's truth, to sacrifice and worship Him. Uh, this had been said, Jesus said, it was a house of prayer where we come to God. Instead, they'd made it into a place of merchandising. Mm-hmm. 
So Jesus was deeply disturbed by that. He he, he wrecked their uh, system. He uh, turned over the tables. They chased him out because they were in deep defiance against the the will of God, the uh, re- re- revealed will of God. But he certainly did not start a riot. He didn't send his, his disciples out to destroy the city. Mm-hmm. He didn't go. He didn't send them out to do demonstrations. He didn't send them out to even change society. His whole purpose had to do with the things of of God, the the spiritual aspect of what was going on. These people were supposed to be standing in the place of the Lord. They were supposed to be giving the message of of God to the people. Instead, they were merchandising and. And Jesus would not stand for that as, as the uh, one who'd come to bring truth and, and light to the world. But to, to use that as a justification for violence is, is the antithesis of everything Jesus came to, to bring. And that's simply bad theology, bad hermeneutics. Uh, it's, it's a typical taking things out of context to prove a point that can't be proven. So I think that's, uh, you know, that's really poor. And then we and and then watch our what his followers did. Jesus sent his followers out to teach what he uh, commanded, to give instruction. And when the followers go out, when the apostles go out, what do they do? Well, they they're not about rioting and changing society. They're about presenting the gospel, mm-hmm. presenting the truth, teaching people the apostolic teaching in Acts chapter two that would change individual lives. That ultimately, when enough people get changed will change uh, much of the culture around us. That's been true all over the world. And really, we go back and we look at, at what the Christianity has done wherever it's been dominant at all, and how it's changed uh, civil rights, how it's changed women's rights and children's rights, and, yes. and how it's improved society and, on multiple levels. Not because there was a direct, here, here is how we change society, we're, we're going to dominate society in some way, but because more and more people came to Christ and lived out the biblical teachings of Christ, and that began to influence everything. So I think we have to look at what the followers of Christ understood him to say, and we don't see anything like that in the in the Scriptures, the New Testament Scriptures, that there's anything like what, what we're seeing right now. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Gary. Now let's dive into the book, Growing in Christ, and just revisit these foundations for Christian maturity. In the introduction, uh, you lay out Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, which uh, it's, it's the idea of working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And then it says, verse 13 is so key, for it is God who works, who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Is this, I'm guessing, this is one of the key scriptures for the book, for developing Christian maturity, doing our part, but understanding that it's, it's God who does the work in us through the Holy Spirit. I think this is a very pivotal verse right now, because we've had, uh, we've always had these extremes in Christianity where uh, one, one truth is emphasized to the exclusion of the other, and that leads to, to faulty teaching, faulty living. So you have some on one side here, uh, that has become predominant today, that, that Christianity is all the work of God. Our growth, our maturity, if we have it at all, is all the work of God, and we're passive in that. And so we do nothing. Uh, we simply uh, are. We simply preach the gospel, believe the gospel, and the Lord does all the regenerating work, and we do nothing to grow. And that's a lopsided understanding of Scripture. The other side is that it's all up to us. 
uh, and we uh, it's because of our discipline and our work and our efforts that maturity takes place and we become legalistic if we're not real careful there so this verse to me blends those two truths in the perfect formula uh, we can never grow in Christ we can never mature without the power and the energy of God in the spirit in our lives we can't do it all our salvation is supernatural our spiritual growth is supernatural it is the energy and the power of God and yet consistently throughout scripture it calls us to do things to grow uh, and so we are to work here it says for that we we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling we're to make efforts and that includes the study of scripture the uh, the uh, application of the Word of God to our lives, of, of taking the time to understand the biblical narrative and truth. Uh, we do not grow if we don't know God's Word, and we don't know God's Word unless we get into God's Word and study it. And so, But we don't grow just by that alone. It has to be the power and the energy of God. So that's taught consistently from the beginning to the end of Scripture, I think. But these verses nail it as clearly as any place mm-hmm. in the Word of God. So I love it. Yeah, you say that uh, from from this text in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, we learn that the Christian life is very much a two-sided coin. Um, I'm sure some people, in looking at this concept and talking about working out our salvation, it might be easy for some to get a little legalistic and get into a works mentality, but that's not what it's talking about either, is no. it? No, not at all. That's... Uh, and I think that's what the, this other extreme where it says it's all of God and none of us have reacted to, because some Christians, well, you know, I've read my, I got my Bible out here, I read my Bible from uh, 7 to 7.30, I go to church three times a week, I pray here and there, and because of that I mature. I'm, I, I've, I've done my part, and so I'm a, I'm a good Christian. And that's a legalistic mentality. Because you do those things, as good as those are, doesn't necessarily mean that you have grown in Christ and you're, you're, you're moving in the direction he wants you to go. Uh, we need and we must recognize that Christian life is impossible without the power of God. And so we rely on him and we turn to him even in the things that we're doing to, uh, to trust him and to, to re- rely upon him to, to bring about uh, change through what we call progressive sanctification, not a maturity that is progressing day by day by day. You know, when I was young, uh, in uh, my early days of ministry, perhaps, maybe even or Bible college and so forth, I think I thought that by the time I reached the ripe old age of 40 or so, that I would be pretty much mature, uh, and I would have no major sins to deal with any longer. Well, I blew through the 40s and the 50s, and now the 60s, and I, I'm not there yet. <laughs> uh, but I trust I've matured, I've grown, and I made progress. I believe so, uh, but I'm always in that in that progressive move towards the things that God wants us to be. So one of the exciting things about the Christian life is that we get the privilege of growing all the days of our life when we never come to an end. Uh, but and so we're always turning back to Scripture, always relying on the Holy Spirit, and uh, it, it's a joyful ride uh, mm. when you see it like that. Yeah, you're in good company, Pastor Gary, because the Apostle Paul. As you mentioned in the book, in uh, chapter 3 of Philippians, he admits that he himself has never achieved this perfection. But obviously, the point we really want to drive home, this is a lifetime effort, a lifetime work, uh, the discipline. And it's all 
really, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it is becoming, trying to become more like Christ. We are his, we are God's image bearer. And as Christians, we share the name of Christ and bear the name of Christ. And we are trying to grow in grace and knowledge of him to be more like him, right? Exactly, exactly. And it seems, I think some people might see this as simplistic, especially right now when we're hitting these heavy issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, preachers, what preachers should do, I guess, uh, right now is leave the, the systematic study of Scripture, which, by the way, is not being done very well in many places. Exactly. Expository <laughs> preaching of the Word of God is really mm. uh, gone downhill, although there are many that are doing it, and there's a revival in some places of doing it. But uh, systematic teaching in Scripture seems rather simplistic and off-target right now. What preachers should do is leave uh, the study of Scripture and move off to talk about these social issues. And we do have to address them in the proper form. But I think a lot of people might think, well, it's pretty simplistic. Let's go back to the Bible, see what God has to say about life. But I think it's, it's because we have that attitude that we are where we are right now. People have decided that the the importance of knowing God's Word and living it out in our lives is, uh, you know, it, it's a simple thing. It's not an important thing. There are bigger issues on the table, more complex issues. Uh, in my writings on Think of These Things, you guys have showcased some of this in the past, and in my books, I have I have dealt with many, many fads and issues that have come along that so complicate life. And people are coming up all the time with another Another way to supposedly understand ourselves and understand life, maybe maybe understand God. These things are extra biblical. They're off script. They're off page, and yet uh, people are telling us this is the way to know ourselves and to know God. And yet the scriptures keep calling us back to to God's word and mm-hmm. saying, "No, here's what God says." Thus, thus says the Lord. Is the powerful words in Scripture. It's always when we get off that script that we find ourselves in trouble and that we think we have a better way to go than God and we end up doing things that are right in our own eyes and it's always a disaster. And that's true not just socially as we see right now, but that's true individually. It begins with the individual. Is my life based upon a biblical worldview, the biblical teachings of Scripture, or is my life based upon uh, some other ideology, some other philosophy of living that's out there? Which is it? And I, I think more and more Christians need to recognize that they are building a foundation on the wrong truths, wrong ideas. And, and they're not building a foundation on the Word of God that will sustain them even in times like this. And so, again, as I said earlier, I hope this is a time when people realize the bankruptcy of some of the directions they've gone and turn back to the way of God. Amen. Um and this is not a massive volume on this topic, but so important as I'm looking through what is just reestablishing these foundations. About how many pages in the book, Gary? Well, it's less than 100 pages. It's not, Excellent. This is not a big volume. Excellent. And it wasn't intended, intended to be. As a matter of fact, it's not really a, a sit-down-read book. It's a, it's a manual to, uh, to work people through the Word of God mm-hmm. in 11 or 12 lessons that uh, for the foundational things that we need to know to be a Christian to, to God, in God's way. And uh, so what, what it basically is, uh, is I, for many, many years, I have uh, produced something in our church based upon what this book came from. 
And that is just a, a, a 12-week course on how to grow in Christ. Hmm. Uh, and other, other people have done similar things. There's other literature out there that's very helpful. But this is simply something we have used for, for several, several decades, two or three decades probably, on how to how to uh, get the foundations laid. And so we have we have used this. Other organizations and missionaries and so forth have taken this same material and and used it in their context. So just recently, I decided, well, I think I'll put this in a booklet form so that others can get it more easily and can use it in their church settings and in their their life. And so that's what we've done. So we put it out here in this more formal form to help people to get this material and and use it. So it's a manual. Um, we use it here personally and in classroom settings where we take a, a chapter each week and look at one of the foundational principles and truths on, on the Christian life. And we look at Scripture together, uh, and we, we work through it so that we can help people get there. Now, here's here's another thing, David, that I, I would mention. Sure. As we have gotten more and more away from a biblical foundation in Christianity— I'm finding now, after uh, 44 years of being in the same church, I am finding new people coming to our church that have no idea about this foundation. Yes. Yeah. So there's our issue. So, so I've, you know, I've ministered to some of these people here for all these years, or for many decades, and they, they, you know, they understand what we're talking about. But this, we've got new generations coming along. We've got young people coming up. We've got people coming from the outside from other churches, we've got new believers. And what I'm finding is that people are so biblically illiterate today that it would astound some of us who have been in churches how much this is true. I'm finding people, as I've gone, I've been through the book of Daniel on Wednesday night recently, I'm finding people, new people in our church that that don't know the story of of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hmm. Wow. They never heard it. And wow. they're excited about it, which is cool. But what a, what a thing! They they don't know the basic stories of Scripture, mm. the basic foundations of theology. And if they don't know that, how can they build a biblical life? So we saw the need here to you know to put this out. Not this is just a beginning, a foundation that lays a foundation, especially for new believers and people coming from very weak church backgrounds that don't have these foundations, to lay a foundation that they can build on. And uh, and so this is what this book is about, and so that's that's why we put it out there. Uh, and the other thing that we deal with a little bit in this book, but we would want to push forward as well, after this booklet, the next thing that we develop and, and teach is, is Bible study methods and hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. Now, hermeneutics is a terribly... Uh, fearful word to people who've never heard it. You know what? What is, what is hermeneutics? It's simply how to how to interpret the Bible, and we all have hermeneutics on everything. So if we don't know how to approach Scripture in a in a proper way, a literal sense of Scripture, if we don't know how to do that, then we misinterpret the Bible every time. And and the people you mentioned a moment ago about Jesus turning over the temple, mm-hmm. uh, the, thing, the things in the temple. That's a bad hermeneutic, and that goes back to that. You're reading things out of context. So there's simple, basic principles of how to read the Bible that we lead into as well. Without these foundations, there is no Christian living. Uh, it's Christian Christianese 
but it's not Christian living. Yes. So this book is written for that purpose. Yes, excellent. I can't wait to get into more after we take a break. We're talking with Pastor Gary Gilley of Southern View Chapel, Springfield, Illinois. The brand new book is called Growing in Christ, Laying the Foundations of Christian Maturity. We'll be right back on Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up for the Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We have Pastor Gary Gilley with us, his new book, is I'm just really learning a lot and, and relearning and reestablishing some points, really key points that I think we all have to have so that we can uh, make sure that we are growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. His book is called Growing in Christ, Laying the Foundations of Christian Maturity. Um, I do want to hopefully get to uh, Lesson 7 on the church, Lesson 11 on biblical separation. I mean, some people, for sanctification is a big word. But let's go back to the beginning, Gary, because I think it's so important. As you mentioned, new people come to your church, and they just don't have that foundation, and they're not established on sound doctrine. Well, I'm looking at the first two lessons here in your book, New Life and Basic Understandings. And in light of recent events, it seems like every year, maybe, there's a couple people that have been in Christian ministry uh, this current example, like from about a month ago, a popular Christian uh, singer from a rock band, um, Hawk Nelson, and he left the faith. He does not, doesn't believe God exists any longer. And the question I always ask is, what was his foundation built upon, and was he truly converted in the first place? I would love to get your insights on that. Yeah, those are hard things. We can never determine someone's salvation from our perspective, only God knows. But when people reject Christ openly, mm-hmm. uh, pretty good sign they don't know the Lord. And uh, if they, uh, in my theology, he never knew the Lord at all, because uh, I don't believe you can lose your salvation. So, But uh, this fella uh, with the uh, Hawk Nelson is just the newest guy on the block who yes. has now denounced the faith. Josh Harris very publicly did the same thing recently, and we've had a we've had a number of people that have done that, and it and it rocks people because everybody if they occasionally or at least most people occasionally will have doubts and about their own salvation and are they really saved or not. Uh, let me let me first of all address the uh, the, the culture we live in, yes. the entertainment culture, yes, and then back off to maybe how we know we're saved. But <laughs> the the first of all, I I think. Again, coming out of the 60s, and I, I have written on this, and I actually have a new book coming out uh, that will be out later this year, I trust, called uh, called A Thousand Mondays, which deals with the uh, life of a pastor, hmm. and it would be a different book, but it's going to go back, I've got an introduction that deals with what has changed since the 1960s in Christianity. Hmm. And uh, our culture didn't just change, our church has changed, and again, I lived through that, I've watched it. And I don't think the modern, younger pastor, uh, most of them have any concept of how the church is different today than mm. it was in the, in the 1950s or earlier. So anyway, uh, but what it, what grew up in the in the 60s and began to dominate and now pretty much is the norm is an entertainment culture within Christianity, yeah. in which the celebrity and celebrityism that has taken over, in which uh, we have now. Uh, you know, the only the, in the '60s, if I do a little history lesson, in the '60s, in the attempt to reach what was then known as the hippies in uh, New York and in San Francisco, uh, the Christian community decided the only way to reach them was to to capitulate to their views of entertainment, music, and lifestyle. 
And so they started doing that, and that was the beginning of, of a style of music, uh, contemporary Christian music, that uh, began to now infiltrate eventually the churches. But industries were, were raised up, entertainment organizations were raised up, rock bands and so forth became very prominent. And uh, what we have then now today is just this culture of entertainment that is uh, all over the place, and also in our churches. As, as so many churches said, look, if, if we can't beat them, we'll join them. So let's give them all the best entertainment we can give them. They're not interested in the careful teaching of Scripture, so let's give them just wonderful entertainment. So all that's come in. But one of the things we see in, in groups like uh, like this one, and this will probably rankle uh, the feathers of a number of people who might be listening here, but these groups, uh, as they travel about, think about it for a moment. Uh, they're, they're, every night, or according to how big they are, but they're traveling all over the country, mm-hmm. Uh, every night, or at least quite regularly, they are singing the same songs, saying the same things. They're not in local churches. Hmm. They do not have a fellowship of normal believers. They're not being taught the Word. They do not have that foundation. It's an abnormal and uh, unhealthy culture. Hmm. And then these people get to have the opportunity to stand up and tell the rest of us how to live life Ooh. through their music. And Young their people teaching, especially. Teaching. Young people especially. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, uh, they're, they're out there telling us how to live, but they don't have the foundations themselves. It is an unhealthy culture. And, uh, and I know a lot smaller groups that travel every weekend to go do something, but they're not part of the local body of Christ. They're not ministering in a body. They're not being fed by a body. They're, they're not being uh, they're working through normal Christian living with a body. That's not the way the Scriptures teach us how to live life in the body of Christ. And then we have the celebrityism. When Josh Harris wasn't an entertainer as such, uh, and many, many people like this, but we put these people up on pedestals, and, they don't, and, and we're finding people collapsing all over the place. Whether they're true Christians or not, we don't know, but they're collapsing because they... they they're in, again, an abnormal place. There's only one celebrity in Christianity, and that's Jesus Christ. And we're making people celebrities, and they're not equipped to handle that. Hmm. So we have Christian leaders uh, all over the place that are just falling apart. Their churches are falling apart when, they, when, when they're exposed. Some of the biggest church networks in the, in the country have faced this recently, and it's ugly, and it's... And people are, then people say, well, this is Christianity. Look at it. It's, it's going nowhere. Hmm. Uh, it, it's a mess. Well, a lot of it is. But we need to get it back once again to the, the biblical teachings about the church and the grassroots of what the church is about. And this celebrity culture and this entertainment culture has undermined much of, the, of true biblical Christianity. Yes. And, and I think, it's a, to me, it's a tragedy. I know people love the music. Uh, and they love this culture, but that doesn't mean that has it, has it been examined biblically? Has has the lives of these people been examined biblically? Is this how they should be living? Uh, I find uh, a lot is wanting here, mm. and it, it, it is disturbing. And we're seeing just like we're seeing in our culture right now on these other issues, we're seeing a collapse of uh, of many of these celebrities and entertainers and and their organizations as a result of not following the biblical teachings once again. 
You said so much there, Pastor Gary, and I thank you for, for just being so open and upfront about this. Just It's so important. You're talking about the church, probably alluding to what you have in Lesson 7 in your book on uh, Christian maturity, growing in Christ and these foundations. Um, it is a problem. Entertainment is a problem here in, in America for Christians, and we uh, tend to conform to the world. And some people have good intentions, maybe, going into ministry or in a church. You want to draw people to Christ, but you're trying to draw them to a thing like your church by using certain methods, and we kind of miss out on the main focus, drawing them to Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And, and in our church, I mean, we're, we're Americans, so everything has to be big, right? So, <laughs> so we developed this big culture, big the mega church. That, mm-hmm. that is a phenomenon that uh, maybe the, during this pandemic is being shown for its weakness, you know how do you how do you meet with a mega church? Uh, how do you ever get back to a normal life? Uh, th- this is a strange uh, phenomenon that we're facing yes. right now. These these networks. Somebody starts a church in Texas and has uh, satellites all over the country. Uh, what is this? I mean, what whatever happened to the local church of a few hundred people or, or forty people, whatever it might be? Hmm who are living the Christian life together, understanding the Word of God, dealing with issues and hurts and problems in life together as a body of Christ. That, you can't do that in, in many of these cultures. And, and uh, so the Church uh, is facing a lot of things that ha- has really worked against us. The biblical illiteracy, the celebrity culture, the bigness mega-culture, the, uh, the, the, the fact we don't know how what even the Bible teaches. And so people are confused and they're hurting and they don't know where to turn. And as a pastor, uh, called to be a sh- an under shepherd of Christ, trying to help people with this, this is heartbreaking to me mm. and people like me. I know, and it's it's potentially um, overwhelming and disheartening because it's it's such a problem in American Christianity. Uh, which uh, we have strayed from biblical Christianity. I'm guessing you, when you talk about the church, you refer to Acts 2.42. That's one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, Ephesians 4, the role of the pastor-teacher. And we've gotten so far away. And going back to this young man who's probably in his um, late 30s who fell away from God or believes Mm -hmm. he's an atheist now who's the— in an influential Christian rock band, you make a very good point. They're not plugged into a local body. They're traveling every weekend, if not throughout the week. They're doing concerts. Uh, it must take so much more discipline to Bibles, have Bible studies when you're traveling, when you're setting up, when you're singing your songs, and uh, when you're tearing down and traveling. I want to touch briefly. We've got just two minutes left, Pastor Gary. Sorry it went by so fast this hour, but I think of youth pastors. I think of how they have kind of generally um, implemented these tactics of just keeping the kids occupied, entertaining, playing games, instead of digging in the Word of God and studying. Do they think the kids can't handle it, or do they think that it'll be above their heads to study Scripture instead of having some fun times in youth group? I think it's, I think it's the same issue. If you want to draw a crowd, you've got to give them what they want. And so you, uh, what what do people, what does families want? What does the parents want? They want their kid to come to church, get off the streets, have a good influence, and and the entertainment will draw them. Mm. So if they if that's the case, then uh, what we don't we need to hire is not a youth pastor who has uh, theological training. We need to hire a social director who could work well on a on a cruise ship, and entertain these kids to death. Uh, that that I would say, Dave, for example, at least in some circles right now, is fading. Hmm. 
hmm. to some circles. There, I'm finding more and more uh, pastors and, and youth workers who are saying enough. Yes, let's let's take them back to the Word of God. Praise they need God. the Word of God, and I'm seeing some backlash on that, or a return to that, and that thrills me. That has always been my thrust. I started out in youth ministry, and I took the kids straight to the Word of God, hmm. and uh, and and they ate it up and grew. And of course, I didn't draw thousands. <laughs> but the ones that came grew in Christ, and the, and the evidence is still there today. Many of them are leaders in our church now. Uh, it's amazing, uh, but they needed the Word of God. Yes. And I, I do see more people doing that. Uh, let's get off this entertainment bandwagon and remember what the church is about. Amen. Discipleship. I mean, Jesus changed the world with 12. Well, e- 11, and then they added Matthias. <laughs> but right. uh, Pastor Gary Gilly, it was so nice to reconnect with you today. I'm sure our listeners who have been around for years are just so blessed to have you back with us. The book, again, Growing in Christ, Laying the Foundations for Christian Maturity. We will link that at StandUpForTheTruth.com in today's podcast notes. It's on Amazon and on your website at Southern View Chapel. Gary, God bless you, and we'll, we'll hopefully have you on again in the near future. Thank you so much. Okay, Dave. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. We will talk about our guests for next week as soon as we come back. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right. Uh, what a great week. I always appreciate uh, just having so many different guests, different perspectives on. I'm in a doctor from Columbia University in psychiatry yesterday, uh, Ragi Gurgis. Today, Pastor uh, Gary Gilley. So great to have him back on. Um, next week, a Monday, Elijah Abraham, pastor, teacher of uh, pastors. He'll be back with us. He's, it's been a while since we've uh, connected with him. Um, Alex McFarland has a new book out, and he's an apologist and a teacher, a great for youth ministry, but I can't wait to get Alex McFarland on. He'll be back on Tuesday, which is the 9th. You will hear from uh, Kathy Barnett on Wednesday, being black and conservative in America, and Pastor Mike Abendroth, another pastor's perspective next Thursday, and we'll talk about Christian persecution on Friday with Arnie Cole. So thank you so much again for tuning in and for sharing this podcast. Um, We just appreciate your support and your prayers, and God bless you. Keep speaking the truth about things that matter.